Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Talking. I truly appreciate all your love and support. If you love what you heard today and you want to know more, maybe you're interested in coming to a live event. Maybe you want me to come to one of your events. Maybe you want to do some group coaching, some one-on-one coaching. Maybe you want to mastermind and just come and hang out and bring up some amazing ideas, get some awesome goal setting. Maybe you want to be on my podcast. Maybe you just want to talk to me, whatever it may be. I love to hear from you. Please follow along on Instagram and Facebook so you can be in the know of everything that's going on with Power house and with me. You can follow at Steph Iliff, S-T-E-F-I-L-I-F-F. You can also check out my website at www.findyourinnerpowerhouse.com or you can go ahead and send me an email on my website or message me on Instagram or Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and just hear from you and support you and show you all the love and support that you show me. Thank you so much for tuning into Just Talking. Have the best day of your life. What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to Just Talking with Steph Iliff. I am so excited for this podcast and to be bringing it to you every single week to be just talking about all the things that life has to offer us, right? I'm hoping that I can bring you some insights, some laughter, some amazing interviews with some awesome powerhouses who have let go of fear, who have totally stepped into themselves, who are living their best life so you can learn from them. I want to be talking to you every single week as well about different things that are going on in my life as a self-love coach, as a mom, as a woman, as someone who is dating and like the whole dating scene and how it's so important that we date with self-love so we don't ruin our own self-love, how to create, you know, amazing habits that truly stick with you for a lifetime so you become your best self, so you can become your inner powerhouse and how to just let go of fear and fully step into you. So every week I'm going to be bringing you different topics that align with that, different interviews with different amazing people. And we're just going to be talking about it and having the best time. So thank you so much for joining in to Just Talking with Steph Island. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Just Talking today. I hope you got some value out of it. I hope you learned something. I hope you laughed. I hope you cried maybe a little bit if it's one of those kind of episodes. I just want to thank you so much for all your love and support and you just tuning in. It really means the world to me. If you would do me an extra solid and whatever platform you're using right now to listen to it, if you just go ahead and subscribe so that way you can always know when a new episode drops for you so you can be in the know. And also if you would just go ahead and leave me a little review, mark that star, whether it be the first star or the fifth star, whatever you're fill on that day and leave me a little review. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much again for all your love and support. Sending you all the love and light your way. Thanks again for tuning into Just Talking. Have the best day. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into Just Talking today. Today, I'm so excited to bring you the most amazing ever. This guy, the sober bodybuilder is what he goes by on Instagram. But Brad here is here to talk to you guys just about life and just his amazingness. And I'm super stoked to get to know you a little bit more about this. And So I want to talk about your journey of sobriety and just tell us a little bit about that if you want. Yeah, well, thank you. That was a good introduction. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm the most awesome, but I'll walk into that power. Yeah. So my name is Brad Jensen. I own a company called Key Nutrition in Draper, Utah, and uh, we do nutrition coaching. And that's my business is is a big part of my life. And because it's also my passion and it gives me fulfillment. And um, you want the whole story? I want, yes, let's go over. Well, first off, so before we started talking, we started just showing his some pictures where he used to look like Polly D. That, that, <laughs> and that was in sobriety, sadly. <laughs> I love it, even better. Um, but yeah, let's just kind of go back a couple years. So, how long have you been sober for? Like so, my now? sober day is November 20th, What's 2012. So, I actually noticed when you invited me to that event, I was like, that'll be super cool. Oh my god, so yes. that'll be seven years, yeah. 
That makes me so much happier. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so what, tell us a little bit about your journey. So what got you into drugs? Did you feel like there was like a certain event or something that you were struggling with? Or was it just the people you were hanging out with? What kind of got you into drugs and then what helped you pull you out of it? Yeah, you know what? I always kind of sum this up with, I feel like I came out of the womb, like restless and irritable and discontent. Like I was just <laughs> always a little off. Like okay. I, I feel like if I could have talked, I would ask my mom for a Xanax, like right out of the womb. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I just felt a little, I, as a kid growing up, I couldn't explain it other than I always felt like I was on the outside looking in, even though like I had friends and everything, but I remember just feeling just a little off. Like I couldn't quite fit in. I was just like, uh, and I would try so hard. And, you know, I, I hit the stage in my early adolescent, like what's, what's adolescent? I don't know. What is that? Like 14? Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. I was like 12. Okay. So where I, um, I was, I got, I got bullied a little bit at school and, uh, you know, I walked home, I was walking home from school and these older guys that were in junior high, these dicks, like met me at the corner and because I had like it's broke like up with their little sister oh, and we were like fifth grade. Right. Yeah. And, uh, they roughed me up and they, they threw me in the snow and they, they kicked me and, it's like a Christmas story. Yes, exactly. We're like Ralphie. Fragility. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, seriously, I was like Ralphie. And from that moment, like I went into instant peer, fear and panic and I couldn't identify that as a 12 year old, but I went home and I told my mom, I'm never going to school again there. I, I want to leave the state. And so I moved to California to live with her sister, my aunt in Northern California. And so you did have thug life in you from Northern California. Yeah, thug life. I love it. It's like Santa Cruz County, so it's not too thug, <laughs> but not Oakland. Yeah. So I moved there, and that's that's like really when I started just learning to run from my problems. And so, um, I got really overweight there because I decided that I was just not. I was just going to skip sixth grade. Cool. Somehow that worked. Yeah, I love it. So you skipped a grade. Yeah. <laughs> I came with the seventh grade. I don't know how it worked. I'm just here. It's fine, guys. Let's and I sat around, I played Sega Genesis and ate macaroni and cheese and I got back and I was really overweight. And so what started happening was I didn't, I wasn't getting bullied, like thrown in the snow and kicked, but I was definitely like the, the, the one, like people were making fun of me. Like my yeah. friends were always like making fun of me. Like, you know, we'd go to the pool and they'd be like, oh, Jensen's fat, so he has to wear a shirt. And so, um, it started to get to me and, and. I love that you talk about that because I don't think enough men talk about like just body stuff like that. And it really does, it affects men and as much as it affects women being told anything like that. So I love that you bring that up. So that oh yeah, no, for sure. I, that's, and that's, you know, I share that because it's not just like, oh, well I started experimenting. There's a reason why I started experimenting right. with drugs. Yes, and it is where we are running from some sort of problem too, always. And so, you know, flash forward just a little bit. I got, I was probably in, I was going into my sophomore year and I was like, I'm sick of getting teased because like, I was still kind of chubby. And so I, I started getting into fitness. I picked up a book um, at Barnes and Noble when my mom was there buying a book. This is before fucking Google. Okay, well, yeah, you can, you can okay. You okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just fascinated. I remember seeing these guys, these bodybuilders, and they had all these muscles. And I'm like, and it made no sense to me because I didn't even lift weights. But I was yeah. like, I want to look like that. That is so cool. And I just, that is the first thing in my whole entire life I've ever been passionate about. Like it drew me in and I was just, I couldn't stop reading. And my mom was like, we gotta go. And I begged her to buy me this and she wouldn't. So I kept taking my bike there after school. 
uh, this is, you know, and I would go there and I would just read and I was fascinated by it all. And so I, I ended up getting really fit. And by the time I went into my junior year of high school, I was, and I had experimented with drinking and, and smoking weed as like a ninth grader, but I got so into fitness that I was like, oh, I can't drink. Totally. I can't drink at all. So I masses like and I, yeah. So I went into my junior high school and was in, was in amazing shape and got the girl of, uh, you know, the, the captain of the drill team. Oh, yeah. She didn't even know I existed myself. I'm like, I sat behind you. Like, no, I've, I've been writing you letters this yeah, whole time. Yeah, I tapped you on the shoulder four times in math class. <laughs> we made eye contact you didn't turn around. last week. Yeah, I handed you a pencil, remember? <laughs> I and took the she, test for you. They, she was super into me, and I was like, holy shit, because I got jacked in between my, like, I came back, like, probably a solid, I'd lost a bunch of fat, I gained muscle, like, I'd yeah. hit this big growth spurt in height, too, so um, I was, you're uh, it. you're at your peak at this time. Yeah, yeah. and I still felt empty. And I was like still scared of life and I couldn't figure out why. And I kept trying to mask it with that. People were like, oh, dude, he's jacked now. And, and I, I went to a party and it was as simple as this that I remember I was kind of like being bummed that I couldn't, I couldn't drink and get loaded. And, you know, cause I wanted to, because I still felt so empty inside. Yeah. Yet I had the hot girl, I had the muscles, everyone. I was now popular. Like I was a cool kid, yeah. not just in the crowd, like getting made fun of. Right. I was like, you were the cool kid. Yeah, and I went to this party, and and, uh, and in your head up to this point, you probably figured like, okay, once I have the girl, the body, the muscles, like all these friends, I'll finally feel happy. I'll feel this, like I'll feel full. I'll feel complete. And then it's still like we're you're still searching for it, right? Hundred percent. Isn't that crazy? How we go? We always think that once we get one thing in life, that we'll finally like, oh, once I get this, yes, I'll finally. And it's like, no, still not, still not. I can relate so much. To, I mean, even into my sobriety, I thought once I get get this amount of money or I get a nice house or I get a car, like yeah. whatever it was, right. then I'll be happy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm and we still, put like our self-worth into that too. I'm still right? learning a hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm still learning these lessons today. That doesn't make me happy. Right. Same. Same. Yeah. And, and especially right now in my life. So, um, a buddy of mine handed me some pain pills and I said, what are those? He said, lower tap. I was like, Oh, well, I'm not in any pain. He goes, no, they'll make you feel like you're drunk but you you don't have a hangover the next day and you can go train and i was like done yeah took them loved them i remember the first time i was just like this is what i want to feel the rest of my life i finally felt content on my own skin so I, I mean i just i try to explain to people it's not like it's not like i just took them and i was like oh that was kind of fun like i felt whole yep like i felt like one in my skin and i had confidence and i went home and i was i was on cloud nine i said i'm gonna do this the rest rest of my life every day and so that's what i chased and uh just it got worse and worse and there was no consequences yet i was driving to tijuana stuffing my door panels full at the oh, pharmacias and dang. screwing them back on and driving back just the naivety of not understanding how many federal crimes i was committing right and like, oh, this is bad. I, yeah. Oh, my bad. And i got away with it four times and then i started selling drugs to all the kids in high school and and really just kind of thought I was the shit and it just progressed. And by the time, uh, by the time I graduated high school, um, so you're driving, you're going and doing drugs in high school. Doing yeah. 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 And with a senior in high school, like, like I was the man. Yeah. 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 And, and it just progressed. It gets worse, never better. And, you know, graduated high school and my girlfriend at the time, uh, my school sweetheart broke up with me because she basically said, you're, 
like, I'm going to college. I'm going to do something with my life. Yeah. Like, you're a drug addict. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm, I don't look like a drug addict. Like, I'm jacked. I'm like, yeah. got money. I got more money than anybody in this school. Right. And she was done. And she just said, you need to get your shit together. So, yeah. goodbye. And I was like, what's her problem? And about a year later, I landed in my first treatment center. So in that time, I started uh, I started running out of money. I realized just how how dangerous it was driving down to Tijuana. I started learning a little more. And I'm like, so I go to like prison for a long You're time. Like, so I would go somewhere for this. And they're okay. like, yes. I'm nervous. I yeah. know I could go to prison. Yeah. What's next? Yeah, so when I found out I'd go to prison for a long time, I was like, oh, I can't do that. And so quickly, I started using all the drugs I had instead of selling them and then buying more. And um, it just progressed. And I to... to to save all the war stories, I mean, it quickly turned to heroin, and and I was a I was a non-discriminatory drug user. I would use just about anything to alter my state. Mm-hmm. So I had the phases, and and I uh, went to treatment in two thousand five for the first time, and I thought that uh, I just had a problem with IV heroin that that's pretty bad, and so yeah, um, I got out and uh, went to the clubs and kept drinking and doing that and thought hey i'm just fine and i noticed i didn't drink quite like normal people i would drink to a point where people would be like yeah, you're trying to fight people and i'm like i did and you know and but i'm like oh a lot of people get hammered yeah and then quickly every time the drinking would then lead to i'd find some cocaine or whatever other substance and right. then i'm doing that and then i'm back to what i really like and then from there it's back to the opiates or the, and it was just anything and it just continued it was just like a series of just incomprehensible moralization like over and over my parents kept saving me and i always try to share say that one and it, they kept trying to save me and they were going to love me to death and they i, I understand it's so hard to, to differentiate when to cut that boundary yeah but i would never i would i would be hitting almost hitting the bottom and they'd put a pillow i mean not even trying to right, right. but i would bounce on that thing end up at surf lodge and i'm like it's pretty cool. Like yeah, chefs feeding me nice. goddamn salmon and stuff. And I'm yeah. taking helicopter rides. Like it's real, like it was legit. Like sobriety. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. What's crazy is I went to that and I wasn't ready to get sober. They just didn't want me to die, which is mm-hmm. understandable. I love what you just said. I wasn't ready to get sober though. I think that's the key for every single person is that you have to be ready for it. You have to hit that rock bottom. It has to be something that you want. It can't be like you're pushing to a corner. So like, okay, fine. I'll get sober for this person. Cause that's only going right. to last for a certain amount of time. I'm going to do it for my parents. It's not like you have to be ready for it yourself and want it. Cause sobriety is hard. You still have to face it every single day. With it. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I, they, they, they sent me up there. It was in 2007 and what I, what I wanted was the consequences to, to stop. Mm-hmm. Like I'd gotten pretty bad and I was, doing doing all kinds of drugs and you know and so i went up there and i left there i, I coined out after 30 days and uh i proceeded to go there to the siesta motel on 30th south and sage street if you don't know it you don't need to it's a crackhead motel yep. met a guy that got kicked out of treatment for using in there and we proceeded to to smoke crack cocaine and ride around in a stolen car and it was like what like right back to the mix and well, it's also because that's all you know. It's like the behavior that you know. So unless you figure out how to integrate back into real life, like you're safe in a certain area too, right? Like sobriety or like when you go to treatment centers, it's really easy to be sober there because that's all you have there. It's safe. And then when you get back into real life, it's like, oh shit, I don't know, what should I do? And you go back to like your old habits. I think, that's all I knew. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's all I knew. And so 
it just kept going on and I'd have periods of sobriety in there. It wasn't all like a shit show. I'd have periods where I'd get six months and, uh, but just white knuckling it. Like, and then I would fall back into the same patterns and, you know, it kept going and, and I eventually ended up living in my car and with a girl that I married, that's a totally sidebar. Yeah, I know that. Uh, yeah well, I don't remember marrying her. Uh, I've actually never sh shared that very openly. <laughs> Did you guys go to like Vegas or like I uh, went to a courthouse okay. apparently. Yeah. It was on like a really, really bad like blackout. Like yeah, okay. like lots of Xanax yeah. in there too. And yeah. I don't, like we didn't really remember, but that was kind yeah. of- Oh, what's this paper? So I've we're married now. I've been married and I was telling like people, like I've been, it's just, anyway, so. Um, but I was, I was living, yeah, I was living in there. It was just, it was just horrible. Like it just, it's crazy. Like it wasn't supposed to happen to me. Like I came from a great family and my, my mom, you know, my mom wasn't a crackhead. My daddy wasn't in prison. Yep. And I, the people I started associating with myself with at the end, I started to realize like, I don't like, I just didn't fit in. I'm like, oh, like, no, I had a great family. I was yeah. youngest of five kids. I was raised with a lot of love. Like, yeah. sure, like there's always some dysfunction. But, but like, it wasn't normal. like this was what was supposed to happen to a good kid right. like me from an upper middle class family in Murray, Utah. And, and I think I was, drugs, are, they don't discriminate. I don't care if you're black, white, poor, rich. That's so um, true. They don't care. Mm -hmm. It doesn't care, like, about, like, what standing you have in society, what your family does. And, and I, uh, you know, they impounded my car. And I was like, God damn it, that was my house and my mode of transportation. Yeah. And it was the middle of winter. It was cold. I was like, I got to get it together. And uh, I didn't. Like, I didn't. That wasn't enough bottom for me. It was great. And so my parents sent me to treatment one more time at a different one. And that one, they got they got introduced to a program called Al-Anon, which is like the sister program for AA. Yeah. Where basically they tell them quit being enabling. Yeah. Like little, you're going to love them to death. Right. So after that treatment center in 2010, they quit, they quit doing anything for me. And it was the the best thing they could have done because I got six months of sobriety and it looked good on the outside and then I just fell apart again mm -hmm. and it went on for another until I, I, I didn't draw a sober breath from I got out of jail after doing eight months and I had this rejuvenated hope that like this was going to be different this time was going to be different I was going to make something of my life and I got out and within three days I was back doing the same shit and I was baffled because I really believed I was done but yeah. I hadn't done any work in there I just mm -hmm. stayed sober so I was just dry and I didn't draw a sober breath from January 25th of 2012 until November 20th. And why that's important was I would go on sprees three or four months and then something would save me. My parents, rehab, yep. detox, sometimes jail, like the cops, but I had no pending charges. My parents were like, sorry, until you're sober, don't call us. And it's the best thing they could have done for me. Yeah. Cause you finally had to actually figure your shit out. Yeah. And I hit a deeper bottom than I knew existed. Like it just kept going. It was like Groundhog's Day of just shit. Like it just kept going that whole year. Sorry, this went on way too long. No, you're good. I like it. We're so, painting the full picture. Yeah, that I, yeah, sorry. No, I struggled to not paint the full, full picture. I feel like people have to have all the backbones of it because then it helps you really see. And I think this is important too. And I love that you're going into detail about that because I want people to understand where you came from and how successful you are now. And that it doesn't matter at any sort of season of your life, like what's ever happened to you or where you've ever come from. Or just like you said, like drugs can, can hit anybody, it doesn't matter, but you can always see your way out of it and you can make something of yourself. So I think that's so important too. So I love that you're painting 
this whole picture of it. And I really, thank you. And I could have summed it up by saying six overdoses, 17 bookings to the county jail, four rehabs, um, a lot of detoxes, methadone clinics, uh, you name it, like psychiatrists, the whole works was from really from 19 until I guess over 28, so almost 10 years. That's what it looked like. And by the end, I was I was doing methamphetamines too. And the people I started getting introduced with is what started to scare me. Yep. The people were scared. Like I was hanging out with people that, you know, just, I mean, white supremacists, like it just wasn't, I, I just wasn't a fit there. They yeah. called me Pretty Boy, which is not a cool street name. I feel like you don't want to be called that, especially no. if you gel or anything. No, either. I want to be like Crazy Brad or Crazy <laughs> B. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, please don't call me the Pretty Boy. Dog. Yeah. And so, I got sober 2000 November so November 19 2012 um, I got I got back from my grandfather's funeral which was really sad but I couldn't even like kind of emotionally be there yeah and for the first time I start I start praying to the universe and I said things like I, I don't know how I don't know how this looks but I, I don't even know who you are but I, I need help yeah. like I'm, I'm willing like I'm ready I'm that. scared I'm lonely uh, I'm beaten down and I would say things like that. And I didn't quite know like even what I was praying to. I just knew there was something out there bigger yeah. than me. And so the did you just feel it or how, what was that for you? Like you just, like how did you get to that spot? You know, it's interesting. I was raised, um, you know, I was raised LDS and quit going real early, but I never didn't believe that God existed. I just didn't believe that, you know, and to each their own, that I don't believe God was like, I was, was trying to be painted by this religion. Yeah. But I knew there was a God. I knew it wasn't God that turned his back on me or yeah. whatever God is, right? I can't right. even explain to you what it is, but I knew it wasn't, that's not what happened. It was me. And so I, I feel fortunate that I was in a spot where I didn't believe that just, I wasn't atheist or I was, you yeah. know, or even agnostic. I just, and so I started reaching out and they would like in, in really shitty motel. I was homeless for the whole, that whole year. Okay. Never slept on the streets. So, and that's where my entrepreneurship began. Yeah, so you found some hustle in you, right? Hustle. Like, I was homeless the whole year, and I was so resourceful. I would end up, like, making moves to get, like, a month and an extended stay, or I would, like, you know, course somebody in to let me stay there for two weeks until they kicked me out. And I never had to sleep on the streets. It was phenomenal. Like, I I look back, I'm like, man, you were straight homeless for a year. Yeah. And you never slept on the streets. And so that's where my entrepreneurship began was really, like, I learned I could hustle. And so... Um, I got pulled over that night and I was in a stolen car and I remember I was so grateful to go to jail. Mm. Like it was over and I had this peace and calm about me and I'll never forget it, you know, and the cop was like, you're really excited to go to jail. And I'm like, I know. He's like, I'm done. And he's like, yeah, you know how many times I've heard that from the back of a cop car? And I was like, you know how many times I fucking said it from the back of a cop car? Yeah, right. But this time you actually believed it. Yeah. And so, um, I got sober and it was the worst detox I've ever been through. And I sat in a jail cell and I felt the cold concrete and I was vomiting. And I mean, it was just a, a just a disgusting display. And yeah. I'm talking like everything. Yeah. Feces, throw yeah. up, everything. Smelt, hadn't showered in two weeks. And I remember just thinking they're laying there and I would lay on the ground because it was cold and I would start getting sweaty. My face was on that concrete. And I remember just thinking, I remember even saying to myself, this is the last time you'll ever have to do this. This is the last time. If you want to be, it's the last time you'll ever have to do this. You can do it. And, and I only did 30 days in jail, um, by the grace of God. And I got put on probation and I got out and 
I, I, I went right instead of left. Like I got out of jail and I called my mom and she said, she said, I'll come pick you up, but you're not staying here. I'll drop you off at an A meeting. It was a CA meeting. And I got dropped off. And good off for there. her, because then she'd finally realize, too, like that, too. Like, okay, when her feet are grown, this is what has to happen. Yep. Love I went that. there. I sat there, and I listened. And uh, afterwards, I was like, well, I have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And some guy goes, do you need a ride home? And I said, uh, yeah, but I don't have a home. And... This guy, who's not even sober anymore, apparently he's doing really bad, was so gracious though. He just said, listen, you can stay at my house. I don't know why I'm loving it, but don't steal anything from me, please. I was like, I won't steal anything. So he let me live there for like 30 days and I, I got a job waiting tables and started getting some money. I had no car, I bought a car. It was a $500 car. There was a two door. It was really a one door because the fucking passenger side didn't open. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love no it. radio in there, I nothing, right? Yeah. And so. But what did that car do for you? Like, how did you feel so grateful for that car when you did it? Yeah. I love that. So grateful. And then I got I got back in nutrition, which uh, during these phases of sobriety, <laughs> you know, I got certified as a personal trainer when I was 18. I got my first job. I kind of bypassed over that at, at, at Valley Total Fitness. It's not oh, cool. around anymore. Yeah. So, and then I had worked at this place that I got a job at again in 2000. There was a period where I put like eight months together, somewhere in 2008 or nine. Okay. And I got a job there. I was after the treatment center. Cool. And I got, I got a job back there. It was funny. Like all these guys were making money and they were driving a Mercedes and I'd pull up in this Mitsubishi and my, I mean the whole thing. You actually like, had to get out the window. You're like, like, sorry, yes, I gotta yes. hang on, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, you need a ride? You got to climb through my side. Yeah. I made it with like putt when I came in, but it's funny. Like, I just didn't even care. Like, no, I was like, just like man on the I'm not even like, and they're like, is that your car? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got a car. Yeah. I was excited about it. I love it. And so I got back into that and, uh, you know, I mean, 12 step rooms were a huge part of my, my recovery and still are today. But I remember when I started coaching people again and I was probably four or five months sober and this lady looked at me after our employment and she just expressed how grateful she was for me. And she meant it and she got a little teary eyed. She says, you've done so much more for me than just nutrition. And the feeling I got, if I, if that was true gratitude, I had never, that was the first time in 28 years of my life that I'd ever experienced it. Because I felt the feeling I was searching for through drugs and alcohol. Mm. I love that. It was crazy. Like I can feel it today. I remember I left there and I was so on cloud nine. I was grateful. I think for the first time in my life, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, it really does. It it literally brings you this peace everywhere. And you're like, Oh, this is what I've been searching for. This gratitude, this, this giving back. And it's crazy that I truly think we always find that in service of others. So you're helping this woman out. You're helping her. You're helping her find herself and like getting her own self worth. And you're like, Oh, this is like, Yes. Like, and it brings you that, like, that is what gratitude is, is like helping mm-hmm. someone else. And like, you feel this connection, you're, and it's like connecting to people and like the same energy in the same space. And you really see each other. Like, and I think that's like the, all, all the bits and pieces of gratitude, you know? I would agree. And I, and I feel that right now. Yeah. Same. Right yeah. It's super cool. Yeah. It's just like a, an energy that comes about, you know, and it's hard to express and explain but you it. it is because I didn't know what that felt like. And I realized I was a victim my whole life mm. and victims never win. Right. And I left there 
and I was on cloud nine, I was like, holy shit, I made an impact in someone else's life. I got paid for this. Like, yes! What? I and how cool is that too to make an impact when in the past you're making an impact on other people's lives, but in an opposite way, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get you high, I'll be the drug dealer, I'll be this. So like there's like the sense of accomplishment as a drug dealer in that, like because there's this hustle of it, but now you're like, oh, I gotta make this impact on people's life in this amazing, beautiful way. And it's something that I'm innately good at and I can give back. And kicker, I can make some money off it too. And I don't have to go hustle to go and sell drugs to make money off it. So now that just starts into this something else. So how does that what does that blossom for you? Yeah, I mean, I leave there, and you know that song, I feel the rain yes. on you. I'm, I'm blasting, but I don't even have, I don't even have a radio. You're so, you're I'm playing it on my Android, oh my and like, with like, and I'm seeing it. I love you your Android. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't afford an iPhone at this time, yeah. so I have an Android. Android, Android. And so for those of you who have an Android, please stop. Just, just when it comes across green, like, listen, I don't hate you as a person. Yeah. I just, I just. Mm. I'm just not gonna ever text you back. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it's green. Oh, that's cute. Never mind. <laughs> oh, can we get an iPhone? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's what a blossom. Like I remember, I was singing at the top of my lungs, this cheesiest yeah, song, that. and it was that moment. Like this is what I want to chase the rest of my life. This is what I've been searching for in a bottle, a needle, a pill, uh, you know, a line, whatever. This is what I've been searching for. Because up until that point, even in my sobriety, I had a herd of people, not my family yet. They wanted to see like six months of like, yeah. because I burned them. Like, they're not just assholes. Like I'd robbed them of tons of money. Totally. I stole their checks. I'd stole their TVs, you name it. Like, yeah. I mean, they paid over $70,000 for me to go to treatment with all of them combined. And it didn't work. Yeah. Finally it did. And the seed was planted. And so I think the message too is, I think so often we, we don't succeed in something. And I wasn't ready to get sober, but I heard the message and I saw people mm -hmm. in that treatment center and then when I went back to recovery, I saw some of the same people and they had four or five or six or seven years, however, whatever treatment center it was. Yeah. I was like, wow, you were a shit show yeah. and you're sober and you have a wife and kids and a wife. And, and so I knew it worked. And up until that point, everyone was helping me still because I was brand new. Like I had nothing. People right. were just helping, helping, helping. Yeah. And then when I finally got to like experience making an impact on someone else, mm. that's what I chased. And that was the foundation of it. I really... It sounds so cheesy, but still to this day, I chase impact over income all day because I, I, I understand that the income comes, yeah. but I chase impact because I know that if I create enough impact, I will be taken care of. Absolutely. And I feel that from you. And I just believe that so much too. I think that's, that's so important because that shows like your heart, right? That's your intention. Your intention is I'm going to make an impact on someone's life today. I'm going to help serve someone else. And if you're, that's always your intention. Everything else will always flow to you. The money's always going to come to you. Everything is always going to happen to you because your heart's in alignment. You're in the right place. Like your intention is actually pure. But if you're always chasing, how can I make this dollar? You end up using people. They're, they become the ends, like they're, I mean, to an end, right? But if you're like, how can I help make an impact? Everything else will always flow. I love that you just said that impact over income. That's amazing. Yeah, no. Just, I'm going to steal that from you. Absolutely. You and all your big words that you use. What was your other word? Advantageous. Advantageous, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to use that. I, I love so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, that's what I did. I, and what was funny though, I say that's what I did, but what happened was, is somewhere along the way, I started to create some success. Mm -hmm. And I expressed to you before we even started this podcast, yeah. there was a phase of my sobriety where like almost my ego kept me, because I started, I started getting a, a car, like I bought a nicer car than I have now, and I'm, I'm way more financially free but yeah. right now, but, yeah. and it was just poor decisions. It was all based on how I looked right how did it like look from the, the outside yep yeah. and i started 
I started like about 18 months sober. I just put everything I had into work in such an obsessive way because I wanted mm -hmm. new shoes, a new chain, a new watch, uh, uh, you know, new, new, you know, this for my car or this yeah. or that. Or, and I remember at the end of that month, I got the biggest check I'd ever got that next month up until that point in my life. Yeah. And I looked at it and it just started sobbing. And I threw it in my back seat and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Okay. This is supposed, like, what the hell? Like, why? And it was like, at that moment is when it shifted for me that I realized that I, I, I slipped somewhere along the way and I started chasing the money and I was miserable. Like, I just, I, it's easy for someone who, who's, who's I, I'm, not, I'm not broke to say I don't care about money, yeah. but I genuinely don't because it was at that moment I realized like this will never fulfill me. Mm. Money does not motivate me. Yeah. I like money, right. but money's the byproduct of fulfilling my passion. Yes. My dream, you know. Because that's, that's what you're really chasing. You're not chasing money, you're chasing the fulfillment, the passion of it, helping others, teaching others, and sharing like your gift with others. And I think that's part of it is when we find our purpose and our gift, we're like, oh, I can make an impact on someone's life. You're constantly, that becomes, I'm an ex-addict too. So that becomes like an addictive behavior. Like, oh, I want this moment. Like, how do I get this moment yes. all the time? And it just pushes you and it drives you and it forces you. And I don't know, it just, it brings something in you. So I love that. No, yeah. And when you shared it on my podcast. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I felt that from you. Because that, that's, that was my story. Like, I just realized that's not what makes me happy. And, and I had a shift and, you know, and, and during that like time, I, you know, I was in a relationship that ended um, because I was an egomaniac. Mm. It was all about me and yeah. I was into competing and there's nothing wrong with competing, but when you're not spiritually fit and you, for, okay, for a guy like me, I bet I could handle competing just fine now. I just yeah. know that it would destruct some of like my momentum in, in, in business and yeah. I understand you that have to put all your life yeah and I understand yeah. that like there might be a little bit of a status quo phase while I'm really yeah. putting a lot of energy into that yeah but I, I went so obsessively crazy I mean it was all about me all the time how much cardio am I getting in and, and uh you know I learned a lot and I learned a lot and I'm grateful for it and it I just realized at that moment that it's just, I was chasing the stage because I was insecure. Mm. And I wanted, I wanted, that's what my whole self-worth was on. Totally. And I wanted to go win first place in my class. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. And I still felt like shit. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is really similar to like the drugs and alcohol. Like I'm just chasing this thing that's destroying relationships. And it was not competing. Competing was like, competing was was the icing on the cake totally. like the cake was built based off of me wanting to compete right. because i was insecure right it wasn't just a goal right i wanted to i wanted to show people yeah. and i and i realized it's just not for me and so um a couple years later i i got the urge to start my own business and so and for about six months that fear paralyzed me mm. and it's this that gut feeling right and I felt it so strong yeah my head though at that time could talk me out of it mm. it kept telling me that'll be so hard you'll fail oh my gosh you can't what if people oh my god no you're making you're making this money right a, you're a heroin addict like mm. you're good like what do you like this is fine yeah like, this is good just quit being ungrateful like all these stories 
And for six months, I went through this. And every morning I woke up with that same gut feeling. What I learned from that experience is today, when I get a gut feeling that strong, I trust it. Go. And I go with it. Go. So how'd you get yourself to be able to get out of your head and just go with it and say, oh, I'm a heroin addict. Yeah, I can be successful. Like, what got you to that point? Because you're uber successful. You're so amazing. I look up to you. I'm so inspired by you. And you have this awesome team and you really pour into your team. And like everybody that's around you, like you can just tell that you truly embody everything you talk about because it's spread everywhere that you touch, you know? And so like, how did you get your head to go with your gut or did you get your gut to just like get out of your head and push and go for it? No, what it's, happened? it's a great question. And for me, it was divine. It was like the universe was like, I'm going to give you an extra bump. So the guy I was working for, one reason that wanted me to, I started thinking about leaving was he he's he's no longer with us unfortunately and he was afflicted with the same disease i am of drug addiction yeah. and but his seemed a little more high class to him and unfortunately he overdosed not too long ago and um but i saw the company going downhill because i know how that goes it gets yep. worse never better and it was getting worse yeah and, and you can I'm, see it because you're like i've watched this movie yes. before it's been my own movie yeah, yeah. yeah i'm like dude i've been there like yeah. i'm not i'm not just some random dude like i've been there yeah and so i'm trying to go on this uphill climb in a sinking ship yeah and i'm like actually still making headway but it was like getting harder and harder and uh the month came where my check i deposited and it bounced right back mm. and i kept trying and it bounced back and then he told me oh we'll be there i'm so starting to get paid for a month gotcha and i finally i woke up one morning and i'm like you're never gonna get paid again and go, go, go. And so I called my sister who, who runs everything for me there. She's my operations manager. I said, Do you and she followed me back. So I earned her follow. <laughs> her guys podcast. I was like, yes. <laughs> she loves you. Um, and I said, do you want, do you want to work for me? And she said, uh, yeah, like I was going to go back to waiting tables. I was like, let's do it. Cause she had been working at the company I was working at. She okay. quit like two months cool. before. So we did it and we started. I think that's cool. Your guys' story too, though, from going from, from your addict days and stuff too. Did you ever burn your sister? Like was it, or did you guys All already the time. have, so no, like, she how was that trust now? She hated me. Yeah. I showed, let me just give you a little context. Yeah, for wedding day, for wedding day, I showed up. I had been, I decided yeah. to um, go on a meth binge. Okay. Very sure. con- yeah. For just a weekend. I yeah. was going to stop. Yeah. It's just three days. No, it was Saturday. I started Wednesday and I said, I can stop by then. And I showed up to her wedding late, missed her walking down the aisle, sweat pouring off me, hadn't slept in three days with a girl who was actually an escort. Okay. Yeah. Don't even know her name. Yeah. Wednesday. Well, you don't, she doesn't need her name. It's okay. That's like the con. And she was so livid at me. Mm. And I stayed for about 20 minutes and I left. Out of like shame and stuff, you're like I gotta get out of here, or just yeah, I really just felt. I mean, she, yeah, and like I knew I was really yeah. out of it. Yeah. You just don't sleep anyways for three days. Yep. And you're really out of it, yep. let alone putting like really toxic chemicals in yeah. your brain. So she hated me. <laughs> I mean, she even you're said talking that. You're talking walls at that time and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like shadow people and the whole works. Yeah. And you know, I'd also called her fat mm-hmm. um, because she was, you know, saying I was a drug addict. So I called her fat, and that stung with her for yeah. a long time. So one of the first people I made amends with when I got sober, one of the one of the steps in the twelve steps is like making direct amends Absolutely. to people, and was her, mm-hmm. and that was a super emotional one. But we bonded over that moment because I'd been gifted, the, the, granted this gift of just sincerity and and desperation to never go back to that old life, and so 
we did not get along and our relationship today couldn't look any more different. The dynamic we have, she was such a catalyst in getting key nutrition started because I didn't know shit about business. Here's what I knew about business. I listened to Gary Vee and I watched Shark Tank. That yes. was it. Yeah. That was it. You're like, oh, that's fine. I can start a business today. That yeah. was it. I love that. But I knew I could hustle on the streets and yes. all my experience, I was like, man, like somehow you had a $150 a day heroin habit. You had no job for the better part of right? three years. And but you, you figured out how to get money every day so you could get high. You figured out how to make sure you had, to, had a place for a whole year. So you knew that you were capable of anything. You knew that your mind worked for you no matter what you wanted to do. I think that's part of the hustle of that too. It's yeah. Beautiful. And it was at that moment. So even up until that point, I wasn't grateful. I wasn't grateful to, to have been a drug addict. Mm. I was kind of like, oh, man, I'm like, all right. Like, like it was still weighing you down. I learned time. a lot, but like, you know, I was trying to like move on from it. Kind of like I was a different phase. But at that moment when I, somehow I made key nutrition happen and it was just purely off, off hustle and grind at first. And, and I worked a ton. I slept there a couple nights because I was like there so late. And I, had to, I put everything, every penny I had into furnishing the office and getting all the computers and this. Yeah. And I just went and I put all my chips in because I listened to that gut feeling. And I'm so grateful I did because it, I mean, really, we've been really fortunate and blessed. Like it's been really good. Oh. And, um, you know, it just came, the mindset started to shift where I realized I could do that. I could do this. Mm. Like I can do this. Yes. And I was reminded along the way, like you somehow survived. You shouldn't be alive. Like, right. You can do this. Yes. And, and so you're using your past as your propeller to your future. I think that's finding the gift in that is like, Oh, okay. If you can make it homeless for a year, you can do this. If you could have figured out how to make a hundred dollar habit without having a job or having no money, you can do this. And like, what does that become for you? And now look how successful you are with that. And I think for anybody listening, if you're ever saying, oh, I can't do something, instead turn that syntax to that, like, well, I did this, so I can. I have done this before, so I can. And you can apply that in any other part of your life. Like, it's just figuring out that your mindset is what's going to always get you there. And that's going to be your driving force. And when you said you changed your mind and it aligned with your gut, it's like, then you're aligned with it. You're like, let's go. And that is the most powerful force ever because nothing can stop you. And you, you go all in at that point. And I think that's the key too for, for your success at that is that you went all in and some people will only go half in and that's in all parts of life. So they become like, they're like ish about it. Like I'll be there at 1130 ish. I'll be there at 1150 ish or I'll probably like in November ish. Like it's always an ish factor. Mm -hmm. Not like a, I'm a hundred percent committed. I'm all in let's go no matter what. And that's how you get success is I'm all in. Let's go. Like, and you're not ish about it. You're like a hundred about it. You know? I, I love that. that. The ish. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We're always ishing. And I don't know if that's how you say that, but it's like, we ish so much in life because we don't ever want to be fully committed to something or fully let go that. of something. Let's do that. it. Let's, Let's do that. It. Yes. I'm going to make a, I'm yes. make an Instagram post about I that. I love it. it. It's true. I went all in and I trusted and, you know, it, it's it's crazy just how divine everything is. I just knew I was in the spot where, so we, we it started running and I was in a lot of financial fear and I had to keep, the dialogue kept going in my head. So when I changed my mind, it's not like I just woke up every day and was like, we're gonna go get this. I'm like, dude, you're broke. Yeah. And you started this business. And like, yeah. I had I had some of my clients, but then I hired a couple coaches and they had a few clients, yeah. but I'm like, and I had to pay Michelle and I was paying her jack shit in the beginning. And it was Should just- I pay you in hugs? hugs yeah, I was like, perfect. high fives, yeah. like low fives. How about one of these? <laughs> And so it, I, I got to this place and I made so many mistakes early on, mm. so many. 
and I'm sitting on Instagram and I just got done. Start, I, so I started to meditate at that time. Okay. Cause I knew like they had to, like I had to start getting a little more still in my head. Yeah. And I, and I quote unquote sucked at meditating and just, it didn't suck. I yeah. just didn't, I couldn't quite, like it was still there yeah. yet. Yeah. But I got done, it was interesting, and I'm scrolling Instagram, and I get, I get mad when people are talking shit on like their feet. I'm, like we talked about, I'm following yes, them. Yes, then why are you following them? Because I had just made some bad business choices, and this is about six months in. Okay. And one of my, there's only one coach that hasn't worked out in, in coming up on almost three years. Awesome. And I, I had to fire him, yeah. and I ended up losing, like I robbed a little. Like there was yeah. just some bad shit, and I, there's just no systems in place. So right. I was getting taken advantage of. And I was so upset with myself. Like I should have saw this coming. I should have, should have, should have, should have. Yeah. And I'm scrolling and I see a post by Gary Vee. And he talks about, he said, when you love, when you learn to love your losses as much as you win, then you'll win. And I was like, ah, I lost. This is a learning moment. Yes. There's no bad or good. Yes. And it, it's like, I didn't, it didn't hit the bullseye this time. And I made some mistakes. And there's certain things that resonate with me, and I think you're probably the same way, where not everything does, and maybe it takes me a while, but there's certain things right off the bat, I was like ingrained that in me. I was yes. like, yep. And from that point, I just, I love when I lose, because I sometimes I don't win, I don't learn as much when I'm winning. Dude, I literally, am about to make a post, I recorded a video of that, I was like, now I ask the universe, give me a trial, because through every trial, I will, I will learn the best lesson, and it's just that. It's like, every loss really is, the lesson, I think that's why it starts with the L. It's like, that, like, it teaches you all that. And you even said like, now you have the systems in place, but sometimes you don't know what your blind spot is until you crashed. And then you're like, oh shit. Okay, now I know. But you will never know until you crash, you know? And, um, yes. Yeah. And I think there's this delusion, like where we're at today is is really remarkable. And like, I feel super grateful for that. And, you know, we got, we got 10 coaches and, 300, so and 300 plus clients. And like, I, coming in every single month yes. and we've serviced That's over 2000 people yeah. in, in the two, almost three years, we February with three yeah. and it, it's super, super cool. And, but I think there's this illusion that I haven't lost along the way. I, I still, I just made a really poor financial decision not too long ago that did <laughs> not work out. And I was like, wow. That, okay. And I was like, all right, like back to the drawing board. And I, Man, that's when I, that's when I went, like, I've, I've screwed up on some, some yeah. I still do today. So I think so often we see people that, you know, we, we think are, are like doing like well or whatever the perception is that like they haven't just made horrible decisions in their business like that week. Totally. Or that day. That day. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you but know, I think the fact is that they're still out pushing no matter what. They're not letting that loss affect them where they're like, oh, now I can't run this business. I can't do this. I can't make this happen. Because for that one example, six months in, but you could have been like, oh yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, Brad, you're just a heroin addict. This is what happened to you. This is what you deserve, right? But because we're in a state of mind where you're like, no, I'm going to push through this. What can I learn from this? And then Gary Vee, just his little life lesson right there for you. And then you decide to change. That's where you not become the victim, but the victor. And you're like, oh, what's the lesson? How can I make this happen? And I think that's also the key in that is that people get a choice at that time, right? You could have chose to become the victim and been like, well, so I can't have this business or this loss or it's all this person's fault. I have to go sue them now or whatever it is. Or you can be like, okay, cool. How do I become, become the victor out of this? What, what's the lesson? What do I learn? And that's the beauty of it. And then that, that teaches you to keep making mistakes because 
you're always going to make a mistake. And if you're not making a mistake, you're not trying hard enough, honestly. I love that. Like, I think that's what it is, you know? Yeah. You know what I did? I built better systems. Yes. Because it wouldn't have happened had I had back-end systems in place that would not have allowed this to happen. Right. Exactly. So I got into action. Yes. And I also realized, what did I do to not go through like a hire? Hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so not going to beat myself up about yeah. that I guess wrong. Uh -huh. But I also understand today that one of, one, of, one of the biggest parts of my job is to cultivate uh, um, a culture, like, uh, you know, this, this temperature within the company mm -hmm. that people don't want to leave. And, and that's really hard yep. sometimes because people get success and they're like, hey, I can do, go do this on my own. Yeah. So, but I love people. I love connection. And I, I, I've been able to, that is so important to me that I understand that culture um, eats vision for breakfast. Yep. I can have whatever vision I want. Yep. But if my culture is not aligned and backing me, mm -hmm. my, my team does so much more than me now. Like okay. They are a machine. They are okay. so great. I used to do 40% of the revenue, then 30, then 10. And now I'm like 10% of the revenue, like my own personal coaching. And that's, that's how amazing they are. But th there's been a lot of core things along the, like the seven years that coming up on seven years of sobriety, there's one thing I've done almost every morning. I can probably count on two hands, maybe 10 times in that time I've, that I've not done a morning or two. Mm. It was another one of those things that was suggested to me. Yes. In recovery real early on and yeah. what i thought was this is a success uh, i saw this is how you stay sober mm. cool so yeah. i'll do it what i've learned is i've gone along in business i'm like oh no it's like a successful happy human it being it really thing. is and it's a habit it just keeps you that way right and i've never not met one successful person that has never told me they have a morning routine me ever. either no never. amen that's ever. what i always tell people yes my clients wonder why I have them get a morning routine. Like, what does this have to do with nutrition? I'm like, everything. You're a mess. <laughs> yes, yes. You're a mess. You yes. wake up in chaos and you wonder why your day's chaos. Literally, yes. And you're the only you are the only person who can control that. And so if you start to learn how to control that every single morning, you win your morning, you win your day. And then you just immediately can go right into that. So how do you teach people the importance of a morning routine and get those people who are like, oh, why do I have to have this? It's not gonna help me get skinny. Like <sighs> No, yes, it will. Please let's pay attention and listen. So what how, what do you do with that? What's your you know, it's the same thing as what what I believe in with the nutrition philosophy, which is education drives compliance. So if I don't educate correctly, the client will not comply correctly. I love that. Yeah. So I have to educate on the hows, the whys, and so much of what we do with key nutrition is not just uh, I mean, we do, you know, we do flexible dieting and we'll do meal plans if you want them and we build customized workouts, cool, but we really understand this is so much greater. There's you're a trying to impact their whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and we're not, I tell you, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not a certified life coach. I'm not this, but I understand that there's so many components to this that you guys are missing. Absolutely. Like, what are you doing for you? Are you doing a morning routine? You know, do you have a spiritual connection? Like, yeah. do you journal? Do you like all these things? Because the people that start doing those go figure, they start to comply better. They right. succeed. It's not just that you're degenerate and can't can't eat yeah. healthy food. Right. Why? There's Why are you missing. struggling? Yes. And there's some things that are out of my scope of practice that I try to make referrals yeah. to. Like, I understand that. Well, like but, your podcast that you were talking about this earlier, but how you're saying like some people will have the idea in their head, like, oh, I can, I can never weigh past 170 or less than 170 or whatever. So you're helping them learn that too. Like, it's a fixed mindset and changing these limiting too. beliefs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I try to, I try to paint the picture of. So let's see. So your day feels chaotic. You keep skipping things. You feel like it's just, this is overwhelming right. you to have some structure in your day. 
but you wake up in chaos. Mm-hmm. What, what does it look like when you wake up? And then they start telling you, kids are screaming, they're running downstairs, they're getting the one girl her backpack ready, they're getting one lunch, and then the other kid's crying because he doesn't want a breakfast sandwich, yep. and they're doing this. And then they get it all done, and the kids leave, and they're like, ha, huh, finally, oh crap, and now I gotta go to the gym. Yeah, to so, yeah well, whatever. Yeah. And where was any time, like, why do you, what would you expect differently? Right. And, and so, as they're telling you this, they're like, like they're literally just like a Tasmanian devil spitting it all out because their whole life is just so chaotic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I feel them when they're talking. I'm like, okay, so you're giving me anxiety. Right. I see why you're struggling. Right. Yes. So I think I try to really educate them on just the bigger picture of all of this and really helping them understand that. I mean, nutrition, I try to tell everyone nutrition exercise is just the vehicle for you to start finding happiness. It's not, it's that you think you're looking for, you know, you think you're looking for the confidence of what your body looks like, but what you're really searching for is just confidence, not based upon what your body looks like. Right. And that's built on the journey. And you right. have to start changing fundamental habits. Yes. And so what? it's the self-discipline, right? Like once you find that self-discipline of the habit of waking up early, of sticking to your routine or whatever it is, I feel like that's where your self-worth comes into play. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, no, and the, and the self-worth comes from the, the, everyone's missing it. They're on a race to get to the finish line with weight loss. And I'm like, what for? Yeah. You get the rest of your life. Like, what are you talking about? Right. This is not a race. Yeah. And people stop to enjoy the journey along the way. The confidence is built not by getting to 130. Let me promise mm. you that. If I snap my fingers tomorrow and somebody went from 170 to 130, they would be happy for about two days and they'd be like, what now? That is so true. Yes. Yeah. And so it, what they don't understand is built with going through the journey. Like right now I'm going through some shit in my life, yeah. but I understand the character it's building if I choose to show up in that, mm, if yeah. I choose to walk in my power and walk with grace and dignity and respect, I get to gain more of this thing called self-esteem because yes. I was told early on, you, how you get self-esteem is you do a steam of blacks. Really simple. I was like mind blown. I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, so I have to right. start doing good things yes. and showing up in a respectful way and I'll start feeling better about myself. Yes. But we overcomplicate it. We think it's an external thing. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm really glad because Holy went off on a tangent. I don't even know no, what I was talking you're okay. about. Um, just like your success in your business and how finding the loss and then that helps you bring it back to like what the winner is and yeah. all that. So I think you wrapped up with that. Good. I yeah, love it. I just, I'm, I love what I do for a living and I, I'm passionate about it. And I'm, uh, I feel really grateful for that because a lot of people do it. They work for a job they hate. Right. It's like 40% of your life. Like, it's 2019. Quit doing shit you hate. Yes. Like, please. Yes. Please. Yes, stop. get over the fear, right? So your, your head was telling you that you can't have this business. You can't do it. And then the second that you get over it and you just go all in, you make it happen. And like you said, yeah, you, you're making mistakes along the way, but you're growing. You're learning. You're finding your own grit, your own determination, your own self-worth. And then everything that comes at you, you're like, well, I can do this. And I think it's just teaching our audience that is, it starts with you. And like you talked about like your own inner growth and like you being you were in a spot where you could do that. And then you push yourself and you said, I took action. And I think action is the biggest step that you have to do. Most people will are all talk and no action. And until you can actually feel it and embody it and take that step, nothing's ever going to come to you. And that's even with your diet. That's with anything in your life. Like if you like, Oh, I, I prepped all my food. I did it all, but you'll actually go and eat it and follow up with it and like take that actual step. It's never going to happen for you. So the action is so key with all that too. I agree. I love it. Well, originally it was all back to you and Michelle started it and your guys' relationship and how you guys, how your relationship is now compared to how it was before. And I think that's also the gift and it is like, you can make amends in anything that you want in any part of your life. It's just you choosing to show up as you and you asking yourself, like, 
how do I want to show up? And so in your morning, part of your morning routine, do you ever like set an intention or ask yes. yourself like what you want to do? And why is that important to you? Um, because I believe that, I mean, why is it important to me to set an yeah. intention? Yeah. Because for me, the intention is coming from the heart. It's coming from my, my higher self, a pure part. Mm -hmm. And I battle with the ego every single day. Like, and that can quickly get me out of that intention. For me, um, like I'm just, and I don't even say this in a bad way. I don't believe like I'm just naturally such a great human being or super nice or like, I'm really selfish by nature. And I've learned that when I've gotten away from my spiritual practices and tools and all these things, yeah, I, I get really myopically selfish. I saw it happen during my show prep. I've seen it happen at different phases of my sobriety. So I've come to a place of acceptance of that, that when I do the work and I set pure intentions and I follow through with them, I try to take them a day and I do a little reading and I do a little journaling and I do a little meditation, I am that person I want to be. And I'm grateful that I'm, I'm so great. There's some people that are probably just great human beings that don't have to do any of that shit. And like my hat is off to you. And if you are like, how does that become that? Cause I feel like it is a constant choice. It's always choosing to be that person. Yeah. And like, so it just makes me a better human being. And like, that's what I want. I want, like, I just know that like my nature, I haven't, the work always continues. Mm. It's not like you do this work and you get to a certain spot. Yep. And then I've just graduated and like, I don't have to do any of this. It's never a battle for me to not use drugs and alcohol. Almost seven years later, I can't tell you the last time I've had a serious thought about it, probably five or six years. Mm -hmm. But what is a battle is to keep the ego a bit. Because yep. if I let the ego start running the show real quick, it might sound like a good idea. Yep. Totally. I so. love that. Thanks for just being so vulnerable about that too. I think that's so important for anybody listening that it's still a constant battle and it's a constant working day in day process. Like you have to, put in the work every single day. You have to be consistent every single day for it. And when you do that, that's when you'll get what you want. It's, um, I can't remember who said that, but the universe, oh, it's Brandon Richard. He said the universe can only give you what you work for. So if you're willing to put in the work for it every single day, the universe will always give it to you too. And it's just that, like we get what we deserve in a sense. Like put that way, I feel like. I would agree. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, so ending with this, what's the biggest impact that you want to make? around the world today like how do you i know you're making an impact today but like what is it what is that impact that you want to make on lives around you i, will, I really want to leave a legacy like i i want to because i've i've painted a whole different story for myself my story was that i was a drug addict and yes. i was a taker and i was selfish and self-seeking and i was a liar and a cheat and a stealer and i'm not a thief not a stealer right stealer's my word well the stealers, stealers. yeah <laughs> So I painted this new picture, man. The, the legacy, I, like, I really want to leave this impact in the world that's so much greater. And I'm, I'm starting to see that key nutrition becomes that. And I, I really appreciate platforms like this to share my message. And, you know, so I, I always end up talking more about what it was like than like, what's going on in my life now? And like, yeah. like entrepreneurship and all this, because I think it's so important because I think everybody out there knows somebody or has been or has a relative that's been afflicted by drugs yep. it's just an epidemic yeah and there is hope and so i want to make such an impact on people and of course it'd be great to get paid for it but like i want to go speak on stages yes. and i don't even like I just, that's what i want to do so yeah. i'm writing a book and because i understand like that's my that. ticket to get on a stage oh, yeah. and i want to create it like a mass scale and I just know that if I do that, like the income will always come. Exactly. And 
I just love, I love human beings. I love interacting with them. I love, you know, I love learning from them. Right. Amazing. I love that you stepped up to your power and who you are. No, absolutely did. You're making a huge impact today. So um, you guys have to go check out his podcast. His podcast is so amazing. Every single day, I, it just gives the best information. So many tools for that. And um, Key Nutrition is here in local Utah. So you guys can go check that out. And I'll, I'll link up his um, podcast and his Instagram and everything else. Because he's just awesome. So please go follow him. Go learn all the things from him. You're amazing. Thanks Thank for you. making an impact on my life. You're Thank the you. best. Lots of love for you. Lots of love for you. Okay.